Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Think Anesthesia Educational Podcast. My name is Dr. Amanda Kala. I am today's host and a member of the technical services team at Jurox. Today, we welcome Cynthia Burns. She is a registered veterinary technician and entrepreneur who owns her own anesthesia machine maintenance business, Fix-It Lady Medical Service and Repair, based out of North Carolina. Uh, It's a pleasure to talk with you today, Cynthia. Thank you, Amanda. I'm so happy and privileged to be here. So tell me a little about how you got into the anesthesia machine maintenance business. I graduated from Purdue University in 1989. So for any of you out there, boiler up, you know, I got to put that in there. So I worked in private practice for about six years and I got burned out pretty easily, like most technicians do. And I worked for three different distributors companies. And then my anesthetic professor was actually servicing the machines at a practice that I went back to. And ran into him again at a trade show a few months later, and he approached me and he said, I remember you doing really well in anesthesia. And I just remember telling him, I remember doing well, but liking it is completely different. (laughs) So he explained to me what he did, and I knew what he did because he came into the clinic that I worked at, and I thought, I'm going to give this a try. And it's something that we don't think about anesthesia and proper care because at school we're taught, oh, we need to change the absorber every once in a while and maybe pressure test every once in a while. And we have so much more to learn. So that's how I got started. And gosh, I actually had to look it up the date and it was November of 2012. So I've been doing this for quite a few years. Oh my goodness. And then you branched out on your own pretty recently with your own company, correct? Correct. Back in August of 2020, I decided I needed to kind of step away from the manufacturing side and I wanted to concentrate more on service. And I kind of felt like with the manufacturer sides, I had to more promote their product and equipment. So at that point, my husband and I decided, are we going to open up a wine shop or are we going to keep on doing what I'm doing now? And I'm glad I decided to stick with keep on doing what I'm doing now. Although, you know, the wine shop is always on the table. The wine shop is always on the table. (laughs) We're still making wine. What is a typical day like in your line of work? If I haven't seen a machine that I've serviced before, I can take one machine and it could almost take me six hours. So if you're looking at a machine, maybe that hasn't been taken care of since 2004, you can just kind of imagine the buildup of everything that's going in on there. So you got your soda sore powder. We have probably an oxygen issue. We have possibly leaking gaskets, O-rings. Who knows what you can run into? But the nice thing is, is with me coming out and taking care of the equipment, I got that machine in six hours looking brand new. The problem that I kind of run into is we start to compensate for our machines like we do with our brakes in our car. All of a sudden maybe my brakes are not doing it like I thought, but then when it gets to the point, they're really squeaking and you almost ran right through that stop sign. uh, That's when I usually get the call. But my whole goal is to get us to the point where I'm avoiding that drama. I can roll out my machine because I had it taken care of and I know what I'm supposed to do with this machine. 
So my day-to-day -day really varies. It depends on if I've seen that machine before and the staff has been taking all of the little recommendations that I've given to help keep it going better. If so, that machine will take me about 45 minutes. If I've never seen a machine before and it has never been serviced, it could take me almost six hours. That is a very big time difference. Uh, so how frequently do you recommend that a clinic get their machine serviced? If it's a small clinic and they don't use their machine every single day, they can definitely get away with once a year to have the machine taken care of. I have several larger facilities that they're on a biannual service and another one that's, they have me come out quarterly because they're just so busy. And if we extend that time out, then we start to run in problems because they are using those machines so aggressively. But once a year is really all you need. I had the privilege of spending a day with you while you were working on some anesthetic machines. When I got to see some of your tips and tricks, what are some of the additional tools and tricks that you have that you bring into clinics? So the first time I go into a clinic, I bring them and people always laugh at me is I bring a little sifter to sift out the soda store powder. And I know it's a pain and I'm so sorry because it does add an extra step to changing that absorber. But you can have a manufacturer and tell you, oh, we don't have any powder in our absorber. And that could be true at the point of the facility. But once it goes to the distributor and then it gets to you, you now have powder in your absorber. And so what happens is if you hit your flush valve and you have powder in your absorber, wherever that pressure is coming into your oxygen line, let's say it's 50 PSI and you hit your flush valve and you have powder it's gonna move up into your inspiration one ways. So what I recommend, and this is why I give it to all my clients, is to take that extra point of time and sift out that absorber first over the trash and then put it into your canister. And it's gonna reduce the powder in your system by 90%. I've seen some canisters so overloaded with powder that it has actually move down breathing tubes. So your F circuits or your Y tubes will actually have powder residue in them. You can imagine how it makes us cough. So I would just hate to see the damage it's causing to our patient. I do recommend that you wear a mask when doing this because it is very irritating. It looked like you were sifting flour when you were doing <laughs> that. It was impressive how much debris there was. It is amazing. I'm always shocked. And some brands have a lot more powder than the others, but in the end, by the time the veterinary clinic gets it, there's powder in there. <laughs> you also provided some like 3D printed components for your anesthesia machines. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about those? I met a wonderful gentleman named Brett. He owns actually Shaler Industries and I was servicing his wife's practice and her machine. And I walked in and his walls were covered with these phenomenal little pieces of equipment. And I'm just like, where did you get these? And he, he said, I make them. So I carry a lot of his products and he sells a lot of them on his own, but we've been able to talk and come together and find little things that we just think veterinary clinics would love to use and make their time a lot easier and one of them's this dental support kit that he came up with for the non-rebreathing systems. And it holds your non-rebreather and it locks it into the dental table so that non-rebreathing system's not constantly falling off the table. Mm -hmm. And it's a great product. And I'm so glad I met him because 
I absolutely love working with him and clients just love what he comes up with. You also have an additional kit that you provide for leak testing your machines, correct? Correct. So I have a pressure test kit that helps isolate leaks within the system. When you pressure test the current way that we've all been taught at school, put your bag on, put your breathing circuit on, close your pop off, bring up the pressure, 37 years of water. That's great. But what if we have a leak? Was it my breathing circuit? Is it my breathing bag or is it my breathing head? So my machine, this will help isolate where it's coming from. But what I'm finding in these facilities is that as I'm using these kits, I'm isolating a lot more leaks than what you would find by doing that whole pressure testing that we normally do. So if you're using a bag and a larger bag to test your machine, that bag is holding some resistance and it's giving us false sense of there's no leak in my machine. I've had it happen about six times now where I haven't had a leak in my bag, but I have either had a leak in my breathing tube or in my canister itself and I'm pressure testing it and it's holding fine. But the clinic is noticing my, my patients are waking up. I'm smelling isofluorine. I can't figure out where it's coming from. But when we isolate the canister or the tube, we're finding between 1.5 and 3 liter leaks that were not at all identified when pressure testing the old fashioned way. So I'm trying to get people to rethink on how we should pressure test. That's a really significant leak because what is the maximum leak that you generally tolerate? There's not really a specific standard right now. There's some between 200 and 300. I've heard 500 cc's. I like to get it. I don't like to see a clinic with having over more than 200 ml leak in their breathing system. And the main reason is what if you have an endotracheal tube that's not sealing correctly? What if you do have a leak in your bag that you're not aware of or in your breathing circuit? We just took that 200 ml leak in the machine and just increased it without us being aware of it. So my whole goal is to make sure that the staff is not exposed to waste gas at all. And if I find a machine that has a 200 ml leak, I usually can get it down to about 50 ml leak. Fantastic. Have you gone into clinics and just not had the information you needed to get your anesthesia machines completely serviced? I've gone into clinics before where they have an active waste gas system, but they have no idea where the active system really is. So they just turn on that little light switch and they just kind of assume that it's, that it's on. Um, it's always nice to know where your system is located at. So the waste gas system motor can be hidden somewhere up in the attic uh, above the ceiling. And when I check that system, I like to make sure that it is on. And sometimes when a client will just turn on that light switch, it just tells you that the light switch is on. And it was like, well, that little light's on. Yeah, it's just telling you that the electricity is going to that light switch. It doesn't tell you actually that your waste gas system is on. So I recommend if anybody has an active waste gas system that when they turn that light switch on, just listen to the end of your hose going into your pop-off and making sure you can hear your air movement. If you can't hit on air movement, then we need to find out where your scavenger system actually feeds to and make sure your motor's not burned out or you have a blown fuse. 
you seem to have a really comprehensive knowledge of anesthesia machines. Uh, do you do things beyond anesthesia machine maintenance? So I do work with contractors. If you've got a new build going on, sometimes the contractors don't quite understand what a veterinarian needs. And since I worked in practices, sometimes they'll want to put that oxygen line like right in the middle of an x-ray table, or they'll have the anesthetic machine wall mounted on the wrong side of the x-ray table. And then we have to move it to the other side where the head of the patient goes. So it's nice to be able to work with the contractor and the veterinarian to say, you know, this is what we want. This is where they need to go. So you don't regret the placement after the clinic is already built. So I do work with them on developing where the waste gas system would go, where your drops would be, where your ceiling lines would be going. I also work on Snyder oxygen cages, which is not common at all. So there's, there's a lot of them in North Carolina. So I took it upon myself to learn from Snyder on how to service those. Working with ventilators and basically active waste gas systems, passive systems, and all makes and models of vaporizers and anesthetic machines. It's amazing how many different brands and varieties there are of everything out there. Yes, there's definitely not a standard in veterinary medicine, which makes it really difficult. You're always dealing with a different vaporizer, a different anesthesia machine, different everything. Um, you also provide some CE for, for your clients, correct? Correct. I call it avoid the drama, <laughs> understanding your anesthesia equipment. And my whole goal, it's about two hours long. It's race approved for two CE. And what I focus on is I want to make sure that if you run into an issue during surgery, I want you to be able to rule out your anesthetic machine. I want you to know how it works, how it's forming, and that you have done everything in your possibility that if you run into a problem, you could say, I checked this machine. I know this is not it. So then you can move on to assessing your patient. Is there some reaction going on? Is the doctor pulling on something at this time? Is there something wrong with my monitor? So I want them to be completely and absolutely comfortable with the machine. And so I do a lot of hands-on training after the race CE so they can practice pressure testing and kind of understand and ask me tons of questions. That's fantastic. And it makes it really useful that hands-on part with individual clinics so you can use their actual anesthesia machines. Correct. I do like to do it at the facility. Sometimes I'm finding the very weird leaks when I go into a clinic. I like to get there at least an hour to two hours beforehand to become familiar with their oxygen lines, their waste gas systems, their anesthetic machines. Because even though the anesthetic machines all do the same thing, the canisters will all be a little bit different. They channel your CO2 completely differently. So you may have a different vaporizer. Some clinics I go into, they have three or four different types of machines. Well, they need to know the difference between how each of those machines work. That was the case, the clinic I was at with you. There was yes. all different types of machines. It was definitely uh, a smorgasbord. Yes. So it sounds like your continuing education for the clients you're working with is definitely going to improve their standards of maintaining their machines. Yes. Yep. Health for everyone. That's my goal. Uh, so what is your favorite part of your job? I like the aha moment. A lot of times when I get the call or if I go into a clinic 
the first question I will ask is, have you had any issues lately? And when a technician comes up to me and says, there's just something not right. I can't put my finger on it, but I'm running into something. And so my normal questions are, are you using more oxygen than normal? Are you using more anesthetic than normal? Are you all of a sudden having to increase the flow or increase your vaporizer? And you haven't really kind of put two and two together. But by the time I'm done with the anesthetic machine, they're 99% right. There was something wrong. And as soon as I tell them, it's like, we had a broken flow in your needle valve. That's why you were getting increased pressure. Or yeah, you had a leak and this is why. You, you were having a loss of oxygen or a loss of anesthetic agent. You're smelling isoflurane. And I just love seeing the technician go, I knew it. I knew there was something wrong. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. There was something completely wrong. Oh, I love that part of it. I really do. It also empowers the technicians to keep noticing when those things are incorrect and maybe they'll find them sooner next time rather than waiting for their annual maintenance. I, that is very true. And, and I always give kudos to all my technicians when I go back out to a clinic after the first time I was there and I make notes, there was lots of powder, lots of condensation, da, 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 da. And I just had one clinic that I'm like, kudos, no powder, no condensation. They were taking all the care and all the steps and the machines were, were meticulous. It's like, yeah, I, I love it when I go back into a clinic and I can tell that they've been taking excellent care. It will save them a lot of money and time and life on their anesthesia machine. Are there any non-hazardous leaks with an anesthetic machine? There are. Those are usually your oxygen leaks. So if you have a leak coming from your H tank or your E tank, whatever your oxygen source is, you can have a leak there all the way to the back of your flow meter and then going into your vaporizer. So once the oxygen goes to the inlet part of your vaporizer, any leaks in there, you're just going to get a nice little oxygen buzz, which will be kind of nice, but you'll be losing oxygen too. So that can be you know, a financial concern too for everyone. But once that oxygen starts to mix in your vaporizer, it's now mixed with your anesthetic agent and it's vaporized, it's now considered fresh gas. So you can have a hazardous leak in your vaporizer where that dial is, where you, that knob, where you take off and add your anesthetic agent, there can be a leak there. There can be a leak in the dial. There can be a leak in the vaporizer. There can be a leak at your outlet. So anything after that point, once it's mixed as a fresh gas, that is now considered a hazardous leak. And so once you get into then connecting your non-rebreathing system, your breathing circuits, you're changing your canister, your waste gas system, your scavenger line. If you have any little pinholes or anything not lined up correctly, you might get a little bit nauseous during surgeries. You might be getting that headache. And if you go to lunch and you realize, I feel a lot better going to lunch. And then when I come back and I start doing surgeries again, and I'm not feeling very well, you might have something going on in the facility that we need to get found out. It's definitely wise to not be exposed to inhaled anesthetics if you can avoid it. Definitely. So that is one of the whole goals. It's not only safe for the patient to make sure the patient is under the anesthetic plane and you're not having any drama issues for the patient, but we also need to think about our staff and about ourselves in that situation. We want to decrease your exposure at the same time.
So that's one of my goals. Now, just kind of interesting when you, if you ever have any friends or family that are in the human side, they are completely different on their standards. So a lot of times those machines are checked before every surgery. So they could have had a surgery and that machine is checked before that next surgery begins. So with the veterinary field, we have no standards. I'm lucky if I get people to have their machines checked every year. So those machines have never been checked and that's why it can take me six hours to get them taken care of. There's reasons why we're not feeling well, why we're having issues, why are patients on, under the plane that we want them to be. So you're definitely providing a very valuable resource. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you and spending that whole day with you in the clinic and just seeing what you do and learning more about the anesthetic machine overall. If you want to get in touch with Cynthia, she is with Fix It Lady out of North Carolina. And if somebody wanted to uh, use your services and they're in the North Carolina area, how could they get in touch with you? They can reach me at fixitlady.rvt at gmail.com. So that's F-I-X-I-T-L-A-D-Y dot R-V-T at gmail.com. So I do want to let everybody know, I would love to definitely take care of their machines. And if you're not able to use me and you're not in my territory, please use at least some other service because when you do that and you get your machines taken care of, you're going above and beyond the normal standard. And I think that's just very important and very smart for your clinic. And that's definitely a wonderful goal for everybody to have. Just keep everybody safe and their anesthetic machines working smoothly. Thank you so much for the service that you provide and for joining us today on the Think Anesthesia podcast. It was wonderful having you here with us. Thank you very much, Amanda. I appreciate it.